Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike, Miss Jane, Brother Jeremy, uh, all of the songs. They're great. Praise the Lord. In your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. I'm glad our God is interested in what's going on in our life. There's a lot of reason to be saved. The first reason to be saved is stay out of hell. It's also a good reason to be saved because once Christ is in your life, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never cast you away. You are safe in his hand night and day, young and old. And uh, I'm at the place where old age is stealing on. And my body is beginning to bend. I don't know if it's all care or just bending. But I'm glad the Lord has never forsaken me. And he won't forsake you either, amen. Second Samuel chapter 18, we are on Sunday nights working our way through a 14-message series of random subjects from my message ideas cards that I planned several months ago. I think, uh, I've been thinking and praying about it. Uh, if the Lord tarries, I'm still alive and able to preach and teach. We will go through the book of 1 John next on, on Sunday nights, uh, Lord willing anyway. Uh, that's quite a way off. This is just the seventh of the 14 message uh, series that I have planned out. Last Sunday night, we talked about overcoming. Uh, Jesus made it clear to believers in each of the seven churches of Asia that they could overcome whatever it was they were facing, that overcoming would not be automatic, but that they could overcome, and he told each of them how they could do so. Uh, All of us have things to overcome, physical things, family things, Uh, workplace things, issues in the Lord's church. We all have things to overcome. Uh, Some things to overcome are obvious. Other things are not as obvious to others. But we rejoice that by the grace of God and good choices on our part that we can all overcome. And uh, Christ made special promises to those who choose to do so. Tonight, I would like to talk about being remembered. Uh, Now, many of you have experienced the same thing years ago when Sharon and I were coming up with names for our three boys. You bring up names, and of course, we didn't know uh, what we were going to have, and so we were talking about girl names, too, and it is inevitable when you talk about a name that people you've known over the course of your life with that name, they either cause you to say, no way am I naming my kid that, uh, or say, okay, that we we would think about that one. Um, have you ever thought to consider uh, how you will be remembered? See, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that being remembered is just about over, older people and, and funerals. Uh, but there are all kinds of people who, over the course of my life, literally my only memory of them is when they were a child or when they were a teenager because I haven't had any contact uh, with them. Um, I thought about a couple of teens. I do know them a little bit as an adult, but I don't really know much about them. My biggest memory of them was when they were teenagers, when we were at camp, and they chugged a two-liter of grape soda and burped the alphabet. It's a great life skill. Uh, I remember my neighbor uh, lived a couple doors down. I lived in the country, so... There was not hardly anyone around close by, uh, but there was a kid that lived a couple doors down. He's a couple years older than me. I don't know a thing about him. His name was Kevin, but I know this. The last time I went to his house, he was super mean to me. I never went back. 
It's what I remember about him, even though I was just a kid. Um, everybody's going to be remembered by somebody. How will you be remembered? There have been a lot of monuments built in our world either to remember someone or something. Whether you realize it or not, the Taj Mahal, which is worth about $820 million, was built to remember the favorite wife of Shah Jahan. I don't know what the other wives got, but she got the Taj Mahal. Uh, the Statue of Liberty was built by France as a gift to America so that we would remember that France helped us in the Revolutionary War. Um, might be the last time they helped, but that's why it's there. Did you know the tallest statue in the world is almost 600 feet tall? I mean, think about that. Almost two football fields tall, and it was built to remember a man by the name of Sardar Patel. He was the founder of the modern state of, of India. Uh, I mean, 600-foot statue to him. Um, we'll all be remembered. But we will be remembered how, based on how we live, not on how someone or we build a monument to ourselves. In fact, someone said the man who deserves a monument never needs one, and the man who insists on having one rarely deserves it. If you're able to stand, if you would stand tonight in honor of uh, God's word, to tell of my thought tonight is be remembered for something good. Be remembered for something good. 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 9 says, And Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode upon a mule. The mule went under a thick bough of oak, of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, uh, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him uh, there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. Uh, by the way, a girdle wasn't like a girdle today. It's like a belt. I mean, what man wants a girdle? Verse 12, And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that, thou, that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand, and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And the ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about, uh, about and smote Absalom and slew him. And that just basically means he's dead from uh, Joab's three spears. They just stab him again. Uh, verse 16, Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing after Israel and Joab held back the people. They took Absalom and they cast him into a great pit in the wood, laid a very great heap of stones upon him, and all Israel fled, every one to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the Kingsdale, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called unto this day Absalom's place. Thank you, you might be seated. Absalom was the 
third son of David, whose mother was a woman named Maacah. She was a princess from Geshur, which is in Syria. Now, Absalom was born when David was on the run from uh, King Saul, hiding uh, in the wilderness. That's when Absalom was born. And though David himself was a faithful man, he was a brave man, he was a man after God's own heart, it really seems like at that time in his life that he was negligent in handling his children. Uh, Keep your hand there, go back a couple of pages. Absalom was pretty well known for his physical beauty and his long hair. Uh, In chapter 14, in verse 25, it says, but in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. When he pulled his head, when he got a haircut, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it, uh, because the hair was heavy on him. Therefore he pulled it, and he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. That's about five pounds. You can understand why it was heavy on his head at five pounds. And so this rebel Absalom got one haircut a year, and when he did get that one haircut, he cut about five pounds of hair uh, off. By the way, that's a lot of hair. That's a lot of thick hair. And um, in the minds of those who didn't understand what God said about and thought about men's hair, they would have thought it was very luxurious. Now, Absalom's oldest brother, Ammon, Ammon was murdered on Absalom's orders for raping Absalom's sister, Tamar. Now, according to Jewish law, Ammon should have been executed by David. Uh, that was the penalty for rape. And, but David didn't do anything, and so Absalom took matters in his own hands, and because of that, he ended up exiled in his mother's country in Geshur. Uh, we know nothing of Absalom's other older brother, a man named Kiliab. And so, as David's oldest remaining son, Absalom had some legitimacy to be the next heir uh, of David's throne. Uh, when he returned from exile, he was the logical choice for David's replacement. But unfortunately, Absalom was impatient. He took matters into his own hands and he would hang out at the gate of Jerusalem where people would come to get judgment from the king and judgment from the king's representatives. And when people would come, Absalom would say, oh, uh, my dad, he should have somebody here to give judgment. My dad should have put me in charge of this. My dad's not interested uh, enough to do this. Uh, And the Bible describes what he did as stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. Uh, All this led to Absalom leading a rebellion against his father, King David, and tens of thousands uh, took Absalom's side as the battle raged between these two forces. You know, never forget that even the rightful king, uh, David, had people rebel against him. Uh, It matters in the end far more who God wants as king than it does who people want to lead them. By the way, it's true in a nation, true in a church, and God's preference, he wanted David still to lead his people, not Absalom. Now, the battle was going badly for Absalom, and so 
uh, and for those who were disloyal to David. And so Absalom fled away in a mule in verse 9, where it says he, uh, Absalom rode a mule, and the mule went under a thick bow of a great oak, and he was caught uh, hold of the oak, and he was taken up between heaven and earth, and the mule that was under him uh, went away. Uh, notice it was not his hair that was caught, it was his head. On a low branch, he's just riding his mule, and a mule was the way that kings uh, were transported, by the way. I mean, Dave, uh, Jesus went riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, not a great white stallion. When he comes back in power and glory, he'll do that. Uh, but he's riding in a mule, he looks back, they're pursuing him, and his head gets caught in the branch. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus said his hair was caught. And by the way, if it had been 11 months since he had had a haircut, uh, his hair could have been caught too. The Bible does not uh, mention, that, mention that, but either way, he is left dangling there in the air. He's very vulnerable. It will never work well for someone who rebels against and tries to destroy someone like David. Because God raised up David. Uh, David had plenty of imperfections. He had some serious things that he did that were really messed up. But God still wanted him leading his people, and it was never going to profit to rebel against someone God chose. And a soldier who is loyal to David, he first comes along, he sees Absalom dangling there, but he refuses to kill him because of David's orders in verse 12. Uh, he says, though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, those are the leaders of the three parts of his army, saying, beware that none touch the young man, Absalom. And Joab, who was the main general for David's army and David's first cousin, um, he puts three darts in his hand and he stabs uh, Absalom in the heart in verse 14, it says he took three darts in his hand and he ran them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive. A dart in, in this context is a small, light spear. And so Absalom is just disgusted with, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Joab is just disgusted with Absalom. I mean, Joab was his friend. Joab was the one who orchestrated Absalom coming back from uh, exile. Uh, Joab was the one who uh, had friends who died in this battle because of Absalom's rebellion. And, and, and Job's really frustrated and he's angry. And he just, even though David had ordered otherwise, he just took three small spears and he jams him uh, in Absalom's heart and, and he kills them, kills Absalom. And then basically in verse 17, uh, there's a great pit in the woods there. And it is through this mangled, bloody body in this big pit uh, and threw a bunch of stones on it. By the way, that's not a good way to end up. Uh, it doesn't work out well for people who rebel against men like David. Now, uh, like us, though, I, listen, everybody here wants to be remembered. Everybody. Like us, Absalom wanted to be remembered. In verse 18, before this rebellion, uh, it says that during his lifetime, he'd taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale. He said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. So the pillar is Absalom's pillar. And it is called unto this day Absalom's place. And so it is Absalom's pillar and Absalom's place 
placed there by Absalom so he would be remembered. We're told that David had three sons and a beautiful daughter, according to 2 Samuel 14, 27. We're not told what happened to his three sons. We just know that they were not around. We don't know how they died. We don't know exactly when they died. But they died, and Absalom says, I have no son to carry on my name. I'm going to put up this pillar so people remember my name. His daughter, uh, who also he named Tamar, which was his sister's name, if we study her, she actually became the wife of Rehoboam. And so she was a queen. Now today, there's a monument in the Kidron Valley called the Tomb of Absalom. You can look it up online. Uh, but it was built a thousand years after Absalom's death. Absalom built a pillar so his name would be remembered, but the pillar is long gone. In fact, almost no one knows that Absalom's pillar ever even existed. But everyone remembers Absalom. But Absalom is not remembered for the things that he wanted to be remembered for. He's not remembered for his pillar. He, he didn't really need a pillar to be remembered because a man who deserves a monument doesn't need one to be built for himself. Listen, no one can see and few know of Absalom's pillar today, but Absalom's remembered for orchestrating the murder of his brother Amnon. Absalom, uh, no one can see and few know of Absalom's pillar today, but Absalom's remembered for stealing the hearts of the men of Israel from their rightful king. No one can see it and few know of Absalom's pillar today, but Absalom's remembered for his long hair and dangling from a tree, fleeing from a battle that he started no one can see and few know of Absalom's pillar today, but Absalom is remembered for leading a rebellion against a good man that cost 20,000 men their life. We will all be remembered, but not necessarily the way we want to be remembered, but everyone here will be remembered. Whether we leave this life, leave this church, leave our families, leave our place of employment, leave our school, we will all be remembered. We choose how we live, but others choose how we will be remembered. So a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Emery Pirotti. He was a French scientist, an architect, and an engineer. Uh, he took some of the earliest photographs that we have today of the land uh, of Israel. He was an infidel. I mean, he didn't believe in God. He was against the Bible. And from 1854 to 1861, he journeyed through Palestine with the intention of disproving the Bible. Uh, he visited the place called Absalom's tomb. And when he got there, there was an Arab woman who came by with her little child. She held him by the hand, and in passing, she threw a stone on the heap marking the tomb of Absalom and told her child to do the same thing. Uh, Dr. Perotti asked her, he said, what do you do that for? She said, because it was the grave of a wicked son who disobeyed his father. Dr. Perotti asked her, and who was he? She said, the son of David. The professor was really struck by the scene. He described it as an Arab woman, a Muslim, who probably never seen a copy of the scriptures, could not read a word against them, and yet held these ancient facts and was teaching her son to fling a stone at a monument called by the name of a son who rebelled against his father. He came there to disprove the Bible. He got his Bible out. He read this story. 
And at that moment, it began, uh, God began to bring light and conviction in his life. And over those first few years of him being there to basically teach against the Bible, uh, he ended up getting saved and devoting his entire life to prove and illustrate the scriptures. Absalom was remembered but not for the things he wanted to be remembered for. He was remembered for how he lived. The place in Dr. Pierotti's day wasn't even really Absalom's pillar. It was long gone. But Absalom was remembered. So what I'd like to do tonight is make some observations and applications of each of us being remembered. Please first turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Here's number one. Even children and teenagers will be remembered later in life for how they lived as a child and a teenager. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. Here the wise man says, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. We won't turn there, but in Ecclesiastes 11:9, the wise man says, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, Walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. See, sometimes children and teens live carelessly because they've never embraced the idea that their childhood matters to God. And their childhood matters to their future. Uh, now, for, for the most part, I, I actually, I personally think most people are too hard on other people's kids. I think for the most part, we need to be really working on giving children grace and patience and to give them a break. Uh, the best child from the best family in the best church, whoever that is, wherever that is, understand, they're still a child. I think we hold bad decisions that teens and young adults make. I think we hold them against them for too long. I think it's really easy when you get a little farther down in life uh, to forget the kind of things you did when you were that age. And by the way, most of the time we didn't really do them because we were bad so much, we did them because we were immature. People who make bad decisions when they're young, they do end up paying for them. So, you know, we, we don't really need to help with that. Say, God forgives. Yes, he does. And by the grace of God, he does forgive. But understand, the consequences for some of the bad decisions that we make, they can go on for decades. Forgiveness and consequences are not the same thing. I think we could stand as a church and as Christian people to let teenagers and young adults live down bad choices they make instead of holding against them their whole life. No, I get it. In, a, in an ideal world, uh, teenagers and young adults who are raised with faith and character, they wouldn't make any really bad decisions, but that's not the real world. And we need to make sure that we give people a way back to God and a way back to the Lord's church. And with all that being said, the wise man here makes sure we understand even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. If a child is doing what's right, if a child is being impure, listen, a child is known by their behavior. 
Every child and teenager here old enough to understand me will be remembered. You'll be remembered by other children. You'll be remembered by children's workers. You'll be remembered by people in your family. You'll be remembered by friends. Everybody. Some here will move away. Others around you will move away. And when you move on, people take with them the memories they have. Uh, listen, it was decades ago now. I have old age stealing on. But I still have memories of things that happened when I was a child. I, I remember times people were nice to me. It wasn't very often. But I have a lot of memories of, of people who are mean to me. I, I, you know, I was the kind of kid that people felt like it was always their job to put me in my place. I was that kid. But by the way, I did need to be put in my place. It just wasn't everybody's job to do it. Uh, there was a kid, his name was Buddy Perrin. I haven't seen him for decades. I thought about this the other day. And you know what I remember about Buddy Perrin? Who knows what he's done for the last 50 years? I remember he used to give me grief riding on the bus. And there was a girl. Uh, she stood up and her skirt spun around. And I was a probably a third or fourth grader, and I'm back there uh, like that, and he grabbed my head and slammed it into the metal seat and chipped my tooth. Fifty years later, that's my memory of him. For all I know, he's a Christian today. For all I know, he's been a responsible human being. I have no idea, but that's what I remember. It, it, listen, it's not just me. There's another kid in my high school. His name was Dan Tari. He had like five older brothers. This kid was mean. And you know how some people, they just take a disliking to you. He took a disliking to me, and kind of honestly, the feeling was mutual. And honestly, he just like tried to make my life miserable. And I remember, I was probably about 30 or 35, and someone I was talking to, I think it was to my dad, and he said, we had a salesman come in today who said he knew you. I said, really? I said, what was his name? He said, Dan Tari. Again, he, he may have gone on to be a productive human being. He may have gone on to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He may, who, who knows what he went on to be? But because my time with him stopped as a child, that's what I remember. I, I could still tell stories about children who were mean and unreasonable to our boys. Here's a difference in Sharon and I and a lot of other parents. We understood that it was rarely, if ever, uh, when our boys were innocent. And we also understood every story they told us was tainted with their own personal perspective. I, I hope the words, my kid would never do that, I hope they never come out of your mouth. Listen, you will eat those words. Uh, like many of you, we used to let our kids uh, play around a, a, in the church as long as they stayed Inside, you, you know, we, we let him uh, do whatever. And there was a kid, he was a couple of years older than, than our boys. I, again, I haven't seen this kid for decades, for all I know. He follows Jesus, for all I know, his great dad, for all I know, his great husband, I don't know. All I remember is that literally every Sunday, our boys would come home, Randy kicked me in the stomach, Randy punched me in the arm, Randy pushed me down, and on and on and on and on it goes. That, that's my memory of him, because, you know, even as a child, you're known by your doings. How do you want to be remembered? 
I, I would like to have been remembered as a child and a teenager for following Jesus, being someone who helped and lifted others and made them better, for being a faithful and cooperative son, but that's not how I behaved. I had a lot to live down. Some people let me live it down. Other people did not. We need to live like we want to be remembered. Uh, listen, children, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as someone who is friendly? Do you want to be remembered as someone who is helpful, committed to your church, diligent in your work? Do you, do you want everybody in your classroom, well, that kid never read his Bible. That kid never got a Master Club Award. They never did a thing. They played around the whole time. Is that how you really want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as somebody who believed in Jesus, somebody who followed Jesus, somebody who even as a child exhibited faith in Christ? You want to be, who, how do you want to be remembered? Live that way. You know, teenagers, how do you want to be remembered? Do you, do you want to have people look back and say, well, yeah, I remember when they were in the youth ministry and they never did a thing. They didn't care where they came to youth outings, didn't care whether the Bible, they didn't, they didn't care, they didn't do anything. Listen, you are today living how people are going to be remembered. There are going to be people all over the course of your life, and they will, for one reason or another, be removed, and you will be remembered, not how you want to be, but how you lived. But it's not just children and teens who will be remembered for what they choose, how they choose to live, rather than how they want to be remembered. Go in your Bible to Acts chapter 9. Say, Brother Wally, why are you doing this? Because I don't think we think about this enough. I, I think we're like Absalom. We think we can live however we want, put up a pillar, and everybody will remember the pillar instead of what we really did. There's a lot of reasons to live a good life, starting with it pleases Jesus. But it also ain't a bad reason to live right because we want to be remembered well. Here's number two. When our life here is over, our life will be remembered how we lived as an adult. In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Well, I'd rather be called Tabitha than Dorcas, I think. But. It says, This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. That's how she lived her life. came to pass in those days that she was sick, and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Say, so why would they do that? Because apostles could raise people from the dead. Uh, Benny Hinn can't, but real apostles could. Verse 39, Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. <laughs> you know, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking it's only preachers and deacons and spiritual leaders who are remembered for their faith. You know, in reality, every follower of Jesus is remembered by other people for the good things you do for them when their life is over. Most here haven't even heard of Tabitha or know her name, but she was remembered for all the good she did for others. They wept when they learned she passed because of things she'd sown them, not because of great lessons she taught, not because of great money she had given them. Uh, she was well remembered because of little acts of kindness she did for others. Now it is true, those who preach and teach 
uh, the word of God. They do. God does use them to impact our life. But, but, but understand uh, the good things we do for people on a day-to-day basis deeply impact others and bring glory to God. Can, can I just say this? I love my old pastor, Brother Preston. I don't know that I remember any sermons that he preached. I mean, maybe if I sat down for two or three days and concentrated on that, I might think of, of one or two, but I, I can't, offhand, I can't think of any. Uh, but I do remember conversations with him. Um, I do remember how he treated me. I, I remember the first time I had a, a conversation with him. I was shortly after I was saved. We were at the softball field. We were in, uh, in Sharonville, and there was a hill by the field. And uh, he came, and he sat by me, and he talked to me. I, I was just floored that he was nice to me. I, I, I Honestly, I just was taken back. I, I, I don't remember any sermons, but I remember that. I thought about, uh, and many of you, some don't know him, how Brother Ed Fowler here. <laughs> He's with the Lord now. I thought about his laugh. <laughs> uh, we had a lady who came here because um, she didn't like the temperature of the church where she was. And, you know, I'm glad she'd come, but I thought to myself, listen, if you're mad about the temperature of the church where you were before, it's just a little amount of time till you'll be mad here. And it was a Sunday morning, and she was sitting there next to Brother Ed Fowler, and I came by to shake their hand. She said, you know, it's cold in here. And I was talking to uh, these folks, and they said it was cold too, and you should have seen the look in his, his eyes, you know, that he, he, this was coming up. And I just remember Ed. He's just a great guy. I don't remember him teaching anything. Just love Christ. Love people. I thought about Brother Jerry McCray. Um, one of the most brilliant and unusual human beings you'll ever meet. I, I, I thought about him just talking during the sermon and answering rhetorical questions. I thought about the way he waddled when, when he moved. But, but I just thought about his love for the Lord and his church, his people. I, I thought about Brother Kerry. He's been gone, I think, probably five years now. And they had a bad experience in the church. It was really mistreated by uh, spiritual leadership. And honestly, I could say this. There was never one time when I ever would have guessed that he would have been mistreated by someone in pastoral authority. He was just so helpful, so kind. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't know that I ever would have wanted to hear him teach. He just talks so slowly and deliberately, and I'm like this. But, but you know, we get it wrong in what people remember. We think it's only great deeds, and when in reality, it's little good things. Not pillars. It's just ongoing goodness and faith. I thought about hundreds of eulogies I've heard over the years at funerals and the kinds of things people remembered. No one ever remembered wealth or possessions. Everything they said was linked to kindness, personal effort, faith, faithfulness, love, patience in difficult times, work for Christ, and love of family. Listen, we will all be remembered, but none of us will be remembered the way we want to be remembered, even if we 
make a pillar in our name. All of us will be remembered for what we actually do for Christ and others, for who we really are as people. And so I just want to close with a couple of basic thoughts. If building a pillar won't work to make our name well known, what should we do to be remembered well? Here's the first thing. Be faithful to Jesus. People who stay close to Christ will inevitably leave good memories around behind them. You you can't help it. In our leadership training, I tell our young men all the time, the most important thing in a leader is who you are, not what you do. Because if you are who you're supposed to be, you will do what you're supposed to do. Be a faithful follower of Jesus. Here's the second thing to be well known. Live honorably to make it easier for people to remember you well. You know, it kind of bothers me when our family gets together sometimes and our boys start talking about things in their childhood. You know what? No one ever brings up anything good I did. I mean, they literally reiterate all the stupid things I did as a parent. And listen, there's a list. I know none of you have that, but I did some dumb things. I mean, over and over, I hear the story about the the poke punch in Caleb's chest. Oh, I mean, over and over. You you know, sometimes the good things we do for our family are kind of like mom's evening meals. You don't remember any specific meals, but you're healthy, and so you know they were good. Live honorably by going out of your way to be nice and warm. Uh, There's people all over this room, and and your natural, by the way, my natural disposition is not to be warm. Uh, Over the decades of trying to yield to Christ and believing it is important, it does come natural to me now, but it's not natural to me. Yield to the Spirit. How do I live honorably? <laughs> Invest in your relationships more than in your possessions. You know, sometimes I think we're more concerned about what our kid broke than breaking our kid and how we respond. Building a pillar won't work. What should I do to be remembered? Well, develop your character to become busy but not hurried. Listen, if you're going to be a productive human being and a faithful follower of Jesus, and I want both, you're going to be a busy person. If you're going to be a busy person, you're going to have to learn how to be busy but not hurried. Because when you're hurried, you won't be remembered well like if you just were busy. I'm amazed at women who have two or three hours for Facebook but no time for laundry. I'm amazed at men who have two or three hours for a ball game but no time to play with their kids. Say, I don't like the things that amaze you. Uh, Listen, you know, one of my great memories of my childhood, I I don't know how my mom did it. Uh, Every morning, uh, my my clothes and my stuff after practice, they were just folded and washed and ready to go. I didn't go pick them out of the dryer. I didn't have to go sorting through the floor. Say, anybody can do that. By by the way, anybody can leave great memories. How do I be remembered? Well, stop telling yourself you don't care whether you do right or please God in some area. So if you have any area of your life where you say, you know what, I don't care if I please God in that area, 
I don't care if I do right in that area. I understand that you open up the door in that area of your life to do some damage to somebody and leave a bad memory. Nobody can live flawlessly. In fact, quite frankly, I don't think we come anywhere close to living flawlessly. But I do believe every follower of Jesus can live sincerely and consistently and leave the kind of memories with our children, with our spouse, with the people in the church, with the people in our workplace that would honor Christ. You know, I wonder what people remember of me in my workplace. Will they remember that I set my Bible out on the table behind my desk? Will they remember the attitude I had when they approached me with something? It's a good question. How will people remember you in your school? Uh, listen, uh, one of the reasons I could never do ministry where I grew up is everything I did. Uh, listen, they, man, they, people could line up and tell you stories of things that Wally Miller did to them or <laughs> was with them as an unsaved person. please. Don't do what Absalom did. He wanted to be remembered, but he thought a pillar would do it. See, we don't remember him and feel sorry for him because he lost three sons. We don't remember him and feel bad for him because his dad basically didn't handle a situation well, caused him to be exiled, and then when he came back, refused to see him face to face. Most of you, you don't even know that story. All you know is the way he lived. And so I plead with you tonight, live in a way to be remembered well. Amen? You quietly stand.